Hello and welcome back to the Unlocking Theatre podcast. On this week's episode, we are joined by Christina Modesto, where we talk about six little shop of horrors and we will rock you. But first, here's this week's theatre news. The first listen to the cast recording of Back to the Future has been released. The full album will be released next year. National Theatre Live has announced that Jane Eyre and Twelfth Night will be broadcast on Sky Arts later this year. These are the first empty live titles to ever be televised. And finally, the Olivier Awards will stream this Sunday on ITV. Enjoy the episode. Hi, I'm Christina. Uh, I'm from South Wales. My parents are Greek, so I'm Greek-Welsh. We're quite rare, apparently. I've been a, uh, a professional actor, I graduated. We're supposed to have our 10-year reunion this year, which has obviously been cancelled because of COVID. I've been out in the big bad world uh, since 2010. I've done this since I was a kid though, so it wasn't like a, a kind of new experience, but um, I've done a mixture of things, musicals, Shakespeare, street theatre, some telly, so a little bit of a mixture of things. I have a chocolate lab. <laughs> How much do you want to know? What, are, we, are we talking personal here? Are we talking work? <laughs> I'm currently in Scotland. Oh. Yeah, all the way up here for lockdown, which has actually been quite nice. Well, as nice as it gets right now, isn't it? But um, that's sort of a little bit about me. I like food. (laughs) (laughs) Too much of it. (laughs) I really miss work right now, but all is good. Definitely. Mm. So what have you been up to in lockdown? Have you been watching like any shows or? Yeah, like I'm, I'm I'm not really a creature of habit. The minute I start like doing the same things over and over again, I get bored so, so quick. Um, and I'm not very good at like making plans. I'm very much a kind of like I'll see how I feel and I'll 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 do it and sort of just try to like really listen to my gut quite a lot of the time, which has been really helpful in this. I think just kind of taking it uh, one day at a time. But I've been doing some really cool things as well as also just doing productive things, but then also being really non-productive. I've just opened my own um my own or baby I call it I don't like really calling it a business um but it's uh, an idea that I've had for like years and I'm fi- I finally got to kind of get it out there in this lockdown so for me the beginning of lockdown was liberating and quite exciting actually um it's called the agony actor and it's a mentor for anyone within the within the acting industry I found that my experience or over the last few years in and out of the industry uh, made me sort of see where where we really lack support for each other and sometimes ourselves and you know you can't always talk to your your family because they don't quite understand and then your friends are kind of going through a similar thing so they they listen but they they're kind of like yeah me too so there's there's no like kind of support system for actors or or anyone within the industry to just kind of go to someone who will listen to exactly what they want and hear what their problems are rather than generically trying to fix things in everyone you know and so it's kind of a mentor really a mentor for actors and I'm absolutely loving it like I'm absolutely loving it so I've been doing a lot of that a lot of teaching I love working with kids so although I think everyone's a little bit zoomed out at the minute but um (laughs) um, I've been doing lots of teaching um and then also just like spending time with my family because you know as an actor you don't really get the chance to do that you don't you're always away or you'd work during social hours 
So it's actually been really nice. And actually being in Scotland, my partner's family are all nearby. We've never had that before because when are we ever in Scotland? Um, that's been really nice as well. Um, so yeah, so I've been quite, I've been quite busy. I feel like it's kind of like mellowing out a bit now. I feel a bit more settled. But yeah, and then I got a phone call asking, should we, should we just do like a one-woman cabaret in October? And I was like, why not? <laughs> There's nothing else to do. So, so I'm really excited for that too. So yeah, actually, it's been time to actually do things that I care about with lots of ups and downs along the way, as I'm sure everyone has kind of experienced. Everyone's kind of dealing with this in their own way, aren't they? So, so yeah. I actually saw you in A Night at the Musicals and I just was wondering what it was like performing over Zoom. Like, how did you find that whole kind of via, like, just being by yourself in a room and having to pretend you're, like, at a concert venue? Because it's obviously, like, yeah. coming at the castle, isn't it? So it's such a different... Oh, do you mean um, the the Tunbridge, the, te- yeah. the Tunbridge Castle one? Yeah, sorry, yes. I thought you meant the one, because I'm doing A Night of the Musicals, um, yeah, later on in October, um, which is going to be social distance at a theatre, which I'm really, like, terrified of but also equally so excited yeah do you know what it's so weird performing at yourself in a lens um I've been asked to do some some other little concerts but it's finding time negotiating the flat because I have housemates as well and but that was really special I mean Ollie and Hannah who who run Bravo Productions they they are great I I did Tunbridge Wells I did their first year and I absolutely loved it so I was like really I was really thrilled when they asked me to do it but also again terrified because you're like is it going to work technically are people going to be able to hear also I totally got the dress code wrong I totally dressed up and everyone else was in like t-shirts and chilled out and I was like damn it (laughs) I just thought any excuse in it if you're in your living room you might as well and they did this really lovely thing where they had this automated automated applause (laughs) um which is really cute actually my partner John plays guitar and he he play the guitar for me because I, I find it really eggy singing along to a track when you're filming yourself so he very reluctantly but kindly agreed to do that for me and it, it made all the difference really because it felt it felt like a kind of live gig in my kind of kitchen <laughs> but we actually at the end of the performance their sound didn't work so actually it was like we were like did it did it work is it hello is anyone there <laughs> it's so weird because you can't actually you can't actually see anyone which is is really bizarre but at the same time it was just such a lovely a lovely evening and when do you ever all kind of relate to each other we very rarely get to you know solely like relate to each other we're all going through this and we're all missing our industry and we're all so it's really encouraging those those gigs are just so encouraging and I'm a big fan of a live gig if I sing a bum note I'm like I don't care it was live it was in the moment I do care but I was like it's live it's in the moment you can't take it back but there so it was really nice that it wasn't like could you just send in a recording and then you know it was quite nice that it was just like all right you just got one take and you go and it's as close as it kind of got to to being like live on stage so I really enjoyed it really enjoyed it it was fun to watch oh good it's one of my favourite productions. We were meant to do it as my end of year school, but obviously everything's been cancelled, so I never got to do it, which is a shame. But you played Ronette, am I correct? There? Yeah, I did. And it yeah, was at the open air theatre. What was that like performing somewhere like that? Oh God, the open air theatre. I, can I can't talk about this without sounding really wanky, but it's <laughs> one of my favourites, and it has been on the bucket list 
from the first time I walked in there, I, I didn't know it existed until I went to drama school. And I was like, what? An outdoor theatre in the middle of Regent's Park? That's ludicrous. Um, and then I went there and um, I think the first thing, first thing I saw there was Into the Woods, which was amazing, like incredible. And I just immediately was like, I have to work here. At some point in my career, I have to work here. So actually getting to... And I also feel like that about Little Shop, that show. I did it as a kid when I was like 13 or something. As soon as it came up, as soon as it came up on like sort of via my agent, I think I even called them when I heard it was happening. I was like, I just heard that Little Shop of Horrors is going to Regent's Park. I have to be in for it. I have to be seen for it. And then I remember getting the material and being like, oh my God, what am I going to do with it that's different? How am I going to get this job? Like what is going to set me aside from all the incredible women in this industry? Because... I remember going to that audition and we had to sing in threes, like kind of from the get go, really. We did, we did like a little round by ourselves. And then we, they, we had like a big day of group auditions and they put us into the group auditioning and then they made us go one at a time and we all each had to sing, alarm goes off at seven and you start. And I just remember like every girl that sang, I was like, oh my God, like my jaw just dropped further and further. Not because anyone was better than anyone else, but anyone, everyone was just a powerhouse, like an absolute powerhouse. And I just thought it could be anyone in this room, like anyone in this room could get this job. When when I found out I got it, there was there was just that like, I can't, I can't even describe it. It was like a little, that's something corny, but like a little bit of a dream come true. And then actually getting to do the job where, you know, I've never, I've never done a job before where you have to consider the weather like <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole character of its own and it can completely change a scene and it's just it's just beautiful the way you know watching Jemima Rupert singing somewhere that's green and just hearing like the rustle of the trees and then equally like in the middle of a number and you just hear like, or a gentle moment and there's a helicopter overhead <laughs> Do you know what I mean or police sirens or the worst is a wasp. It's when a wasp, like you're in a freeze and a wasp finds you. That's that's the worst one. That's the biggest challenge. But also like the, when it rained, like it gave the show, because it's, you know, it's a B movie. It kind of gave the show an extra kind of level of something cool, even though we had to stop when it was unsafe and we were sat in wet pools, but you just didn't care. It was, it was great. And we really bonded as a cast as well, actually. So it was, it was really, yeah, it was great. It was really great. The matinees, however, are always really tricky because you can see everybody. So, and, and there's no lights. It's like old Grecian times, you know, because obviously it's daylight. So there's no, you don't get the full, the full effect. So it's like watching kind of, I don't know, like, I imagine it a bit like watching like Noises Off, you know, do you know the play Noises Off where the first act you see it from, I can't remember, you see it from backstage and then the other act, you see it from on stage and you kind of, it's like a big farce. I, I imagined it was a little bit like that, watching it on a matinee because you, you can see the mechanics of everyone and everyone running backstage because the lights aren't there to kind of mask it. But yeah, no, it was great. I, I love that show. Um, what was it like being part of such a well-known, like the sassy trio are so well-known and how did you keep up the energy that those three girls have throughout? It was, it was awesome. It was hard. It was non-stop like those tracks are like non-stop but I think it's all about the kind of bond that you build with the other two girls and you know we we had a lot of time to kind of we sort of did most of that kind of stuff ourselves really in terms of you know because we're on stage all the time it's not always a director can go do that then or do this then so we got to find our own little ways through and I think that's what kind of built our relationship and even as the shows went on you know 
you'd find new things with each other and that was always really exciting and I also loved that because obviously the plant was played by Vicky Vox it wasn't just like an inanimate object or a puppet it was um it was very much alive and the kind of relationship with her was really interesting to play as well because you normally wouldn't have that in that production you know you normally are just the narrators and that's kind of how it goes but it almost felt like there was also a relationship between those three girls and that plant and that was always really interesting to play as well and just singing those songs I mean it was grueling we were doing like 13 hour days and Tom Deering who has like the ears of an elephant someone's not on the right harmony someone's not on the right do that again 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 it's literally like "Ah!" Um, mixed in with usually the choreography is quite step diggy isn't it if you see like a production of Little Shop mixed in with Lizzie G's like wonderful like whacking and boring which obviously kind of went hand in hand again with the idea of the, the plant being a drag queen so it, we, I feel like we had like extra challenges but it was just so fun like so so fun and it felt really creative especially it's not always when you do like a a show that already exists that you get to be so creative but we really got to bring those characters to 2020 I think which was which was what was really nice about it and I I gave mine a kind of Latina edge which I just loved I just had so much fun with that I have one last uh, little shop question obviously the big thing is the ending of the stage show and the ending of the film a different mm-hmm. which ending do you think works better I think it, it, dep- it depends on the cast it depends on what you've done with the storyline I prefer the end I prefer it when just by everybody I think oh god I feel like that's a spoiler sorry to those I feel like everyone knows I feel like everyone knows <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like it's just one of those things where you just have to embrace it although we did amalgamate sort of um, you know at the end of the film uh the plant sings Mean Green Mother. Does that come at the end of the yeah. film? Yeah. I, we put that into the stage show. So actually, at the very end, Vicky got to sing that and that was our curtain call and it felt like a big drag party. So we kind of amalgamated the two endings anyway, <laughs> I think. Well, um, yeah, I just think it raises the danger, you know. And, and you end up kind of on the plant side, which is messed up in itself, isn't it? Yeah. Like... <laughs> kill everybody take me take me too um it kind of becomes a kind of thing that you want to go through I think and there's something about making your audience want to do that is something it's quite naughty isn't it (laughs) 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 so yeah so I quite like I quite like the stage ending yeah so you're the Berlin that we hear on the recording aren't you when we listen to (laughs) (laughs) sorry no I love it I love it and did you not do some performances of it like quite early on what was that like being involved in a show that was kind of like newly developed and kind of in its early stages it was it was bonkers like the the journey of that show is just bonkers so we did it before it had a des- it didn't even have a, a costume design it didn't have a set design it was just I mean we were given costumes but and we were put on a set but you know it was just kind of does this show work that was kind of the it was sort of sold as a kind of workshop we were sort of workshopping it but it, it didn't end up being a workshop it ended up being like full-blown performances but just with like six women and nothing else do you know what I mean oh and like a I believe it was like a nine piece band we had, which was a gift. Like we were just like, wow. But we only had two weeks rehearsal to get it all on its feet and half a day's tech 
and then we were on at the arts theatre. So it was very intense. The way I always describe it is, um, I don't know if you guys have ever, I don't kind of know what your, what your backgrounds are, but if you've been in a rehearsal process before, where um, first week is like you meet everyone, you kind of, you sort of get an idea of the piece. Then second week, you sort of, you start getting it in your body and you start learning it. And then third week, and you start putting it on his feet. And then third week, you start like panicking about it because you're like, I'm never going to get this. I don't get it. What is going on? I'm going to make a fool of myself. Why do I do this job? And then you get to week four and it all kind of slots into place. And then you think, right, we're ready to go into the theatre now. That would happen every day on six. <laughs> like every morning we'd arrive being like, hi, we're just getting to know each other. An hour later, we'd be like, right, let's get it. Let's get the material in. And then an hour later, we'd be like, I'm never going to get this. This doesn't work. And then we'd be like, oh, we fixed it. Yeah, what about this? What about that? Um, every day, and uh, every day was like that. Uh, so it was like, we'd have moments where we'd be in tears and then we'd have moments where we'd be rolling on the floor laughing because it was just so intense and, and brilliant. And like, what a gift to be on stage with those five women and to be in that rehearsal room. So it was so creative and fun and we kind of were allowed to put our own little stamp on it. I did try and get a Welsh accent in. Week one, Anne Boleyn was Welsh. Week two, they were like, I think we should go more for the, like, the Lily Allen vibes. And now I, I still get messages from them just being like, Lucy's like, why do we never let you do it in your accent? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because we, we were talking to Jen Coldwell earlier this week, who's mm. on the tour now, and she does a Northern accent for Berlin because she's Northern. Yeah. And when I saw it, Lauren Drew kept her Welsh accent for Aragon. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, can't, I really I tried. like it when they... I tried, but alas, it, my Welsh wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> were they kind of changing it as you did it? Because obviously it was quite early on. Were there lots of kind of changes to the choreography and maybe some of the lyrics? Yeah, the choreography was literally being made up on the spot on the, when we went into the rehearsal room. It was being made up as we went into rehearsals. So nothing was nothing was set in stone before we got in that rehearsal room. And... Because they'd done it at Cambridge, the structure worked. The Most of the dialogue worked. Most of the structure of the songs, like, you know, Toby and Lucy did an amazing job at already creating a kind of great show. It was just, yes, things do change in a rehearsal process because when you put it up on its feet and when you suddenly have six new girls, um, different things kind of happen. But, I mean, the way we set it is completely different to how it's set now, even. So even the kind of next set of girls would have gone through that process too, which I think is what makes it so great because you can put your own, your own spin on it. But yeah, so it, so it was, it was completely, it was changing, but not, not like having just done like the boy in the dress where things are like, we'll cut that, we'll move that, actually change the lyrics to all of that song. Like that was happening like on the days of performances sometimes, or we're going to re-choreograph that. That wasn't happening so much in six. We kind of got it all done by the time we opened. But then I think because it was a kind of trial run anyway, I say trial run, it wasn't really a trial run. It was a full-blown show, but I guess they just wanted to see if, if London would accept it, if it would work, if it would definitely, before they kind of launched into, into a full-blown design and tour, which I think people should do more often with theatre. Uh, lots of people write things and then put it on and and then wonder why it doesn't really 
it hasn't evolved or why it doesn't work. But actually, I think when you let something naturally evolve, the end result is better because you it's tried and tested. Do you know what I mean? Six is a good example of that. Sort of just like, look where it is now. Yeah. Like, I mean, we had yeah. no clue. I'm like, I'm so grateful that they, they asked us to be on the album because, you know, it was just an amazing experience and great to still be kind of part, very much a part of the journey, you know? I'm going to ask you about Shrek. I did that with Jen Coulter, who you spoke about oh, the other yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. I saw you both on the tour. Oh, did you? The very first yeah. one. Yeah. I did, yeah. Ah. So you played Mama Bear, Mama Roga, and you were the cover for The Dragon as well, weren't you? The first time around, yeah. And then I went back to it last year, the year before last, and played Dragon for like three months. Which one was your favourite character, would you, would you say? Oh, Dragon. 100 yeah. million percent. That song is the. It's, best song in this show isn't it's it like it's so not... sassy i know and it makes so frustrated that it's not even on the album she can't listen to it which makes it even better because you're like oh god it's like the one chance to sing it and hear it with a full band is literally live on stage that's it yeah. you can't there's no like recording of it really not a not a professional one because on the album it's donkey pop pie isn't it it's the old mm-hmm. the old version of I can't imagine anything else being in that in that place other than that song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then also to be like the challenge of it's just you and a microphone. You don't even get to, the audience don't get to buy into your, your physicality or anything. They are watching a puppet and you have to somehow with your voice make that puppet come alive. Um, but then there's so much more you can do because no one can see you. So you can have so much fun um, in that little booth. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely my favourite thing, my favourite thing yeah. to do. I love it because she's got, like, the big eyelashes and it just looks yeah. so real. It's mad. I know. And the, the guys who operate it, honestly, they are... How they carry that weight around and, and make it come to life, it just... I mean, puppetry blows my mind anyway. Like, it's, I just think it's an incredible skill. And yeah, the, it's so weird how you just, you just believe it, don't you? You just, it's amazing. I think there's only two dragons that exist in the, well, I think there's only one dragon body that exists. I could be wrong. One dragon body that exists in the whole world. And then I think there's two, maybe two heads for her. I could have got that the wrong way around. But she's like that expensive that they've just, she, it, the show can't be on in more than one place in the world at a time because there's only one dragon. Wow, that's mad. That's pretty mad, isn't it? Unless yeah. they've got one during lockdown. Someone's going <laughs> to send me an email after this podcast and be like, you're wrong, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure that's because I think she's in Australia at the minute. Oh, I think. Oh. Yeah, in Australia. Good place to be at the minute. I know. What's it like being part of a show where like the characters are like well known and well loved, but like it's shown in a new way? I think it's just like magical for kids. Like I think yeah. it's magical for them to see a film, an animated they a film. Speak, Christina, an animated <laughs> film they love <laughs> come to life. And I just think the costumes. You don't have to do much work as an actor really because the costumes do it for you as soon as you put those costumes on the characters make complete sense it's fun to like not take yourself too seriously and then just embrace these kind of larger than life characters but you can sort of see you can sort of see who those characters would be in real life we, you can all relate to those characters, even though they're animals, even though they're, you know, fairy tale creatures and fairies and wolves and things. You still recognise those personalities. And I think that's what's really wonderful about it. 
and it has a real humor to it you know and kids get it they just get it more so than adults and it's kind of like I probably get killed for saying this but it's kind of like a really posh pantomime it's just done <laughs> so well do you know what I mean because it, it really yeah, does it, is, yeah. it really does everything for all ages I think but just kids just love that fart humor don't they yeah. you know when you're an adult and, and as an adult you kind of do too but you're just not allowed to show it I think it's great that it it has a place in musical theatre, definitely. Yeah, I didn't think it would be like as accessible as it was. Like, cause I booked the tickets on the day. I decided right. to take a chance on it. But like, there was like musical theatre references in it. Like, they had like the flag from like Lemay's and like the riff from Wicked. And I was like, as if this is happening. I thought it was going to be just for kids kind of thing, but it was really good. I know. There's so much in there. If you go back yeah. to the score. There are so many little um, references to to other musicals, like so many, and that's just just really good writing, isn't it? It's like, yeah, I think American, you know, American shows kind of embrace all that. They embrace that kind of stuff, whereas we're a little bit less embracing of it. But yeah, there's definitely definitely a place for it, and 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 I think when you hear those little hidden things you go oh my god like it gives you something as an audience member you're like it's like Sherlock Holmes you're like I've cracked it I've seen through the writing it's kind of nice to have that little nugget isn't it okay a last one from me um how did you find touring touring is is great it's it's not for everyone but I you become a real family on tour you literally are like you live breathe eat sleep um walk like together everything you do you know because you you constantly go to go to new places and you might share digs with different members of the cast or um or stage management or and you you get you get a different experience of every venue I love it because you get paid to see your own country I didn't realize there were so many awesome places in the UK before touring like really there are some really beautiful places that you just go I mean my cause my parents are Greek we've always gone to Cyprus um for holidays or we've gone abroad going on a holiday was very much going abroad and I never understood when people were like oh we're going to Cornwall or we're going to Scotland or like and I've never really understood that until I kind of saw that I mean there are some dives but there are some, <laughs> you tend to you tend to have a right laugh in those do you know what I mean but there and each theatre has its own like little personality and what's great about it is it is tiring like touring is really tiring because you get your travel day and then with a show like Shrek, so we would have like five show weekends. So a show Friday night, two shows Sunday, two shows Monday, sorry, two shows Saturday, two shows Sunday. Monday you would have off, but it would be your travel day. And then did we also, I think we also had Tuesdays off, but then we had to be in first thing Wednesday because the very first time we did the tour, we had kids in the show. So we had to be in 10 a.m. that morning to tack in the new set of kids at that at that venue so it's grueling because you're always up up and moving but what it does do is it keeps the show fresh like a lot fresher than if you're always in the same place and you don't you don't move it kind of it keeps on its toes and you get a different vibe from the audience you know because every every place has its own quality so it keeps it fresh i'm gonna talk a bit about we will rock you oh great i saw you in it i think back in 2010 no did you and it was obviously your first West End kind of debut and everything I wondered what it was like going sort of straight from drama school to playing like Killer Queen and like that whole kind of transition you had 
doing that yeah it was um it was overwhelming I felt like the luckiest person in the world but I was definitely you know lots of people assume that when you leave drama school you're ready you're a finished product you're ready to work but you're not it's like it's like I always say it, it's like passing your driving test and then actually just learning to drive. Like you, once you get on a show, it's like a different beast of anything you ever expect. And there's different types of rehearsal processes. And and We Were Rock You had so much heart and I, I learned so much from so many people on that job. And I learned so much about myself because, you know, I was really lucky to get that role. It, it was supposedly between me and another graduate and it could have been either of us it was just luck of the draw I got the job like you know and I'm so grateful that they took took that chance on me Killer Queen is a monster of a role I think somebody said to me the other day that I think I'm still the youngest person to ever play her that sounds really cocky but like it, apparently that's it it's it I was 21 when I did it to actually go on for her I think Sarah French covered her but never went on for it she covered it quite young that role, like going over that in, especially in the Dominion Theatre, like yeah. the theatre is, is huge. And the table coming out over the audience and the costumes and like everything about it was just fierce. But my God, like having to, as a graduate, having to fill that theatre with my voice and that sound system, handling that sound system. And like as a second cover, you don't get on very often. So you might do it once and then you don't do it for like three, four months and then you're thrown on again and then you don't do it for three, four months and then you're thrown on again, if you're lucky. So it really was like like riding something new every time. It was like trying to remember what I needed to work on from like three months ago, but then also trying to be in the moment and be on stage and navigate this kind of beast of a, of a system. But I learned so much etiquette on that job. It was such a wonderful cast and a wonderful building. Um, it was like, it really was like a family, that show. And I, I actually really missed that it's, because even when I left, I, I went back to dress there. I went, I like dressed backstage. I loved everyone backstage. And the residents were just lovely. It really was somewhere, even like um, Steve at stage door, I used to go and see him all the time, like pop in and just be like, how are you doing? I think he might be, well, he's obviously not there now, but I think he might be still there actually, I must go and see him. But the, the people, it really was like a, a kind of its own world. Um, and I still really miss not seeing Freddie on that on the front of that theatre. I still really miss that. I learned so much on that job and I felt very fortunate. And also how to deal with a long contract, you know? Something I wish I'd known beforehand was, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to be singing every day, so I don't need to, go to singing lessons and then when I left that show my voice I suddenly realized as I was going to auditions that I couldn't sing anything else like my voice was really really stuck and so I, I really learned that about myself not to make that mistake again to just because you're singing in a show it doesn't mean you're keeping up your own work and I didn't really realize that until I left and then it was a little bit harder when I left because you sort of think oh well I've done it now I've got a West End job great and then you realize actually coming out straight out of drama school and going into a show takes you completely off the map you don't actually meet any other casting directors you know you you've done it you've got that job and then you're in that job for a year and then you come out and you think oh another load of graduates have have mm -hmm. come out and I've now although I've been working and I'm really grateful for it still nobody really knows who I am so you still kind of have to start from scratch and I, I think there's a lot of pressure on people now to get jobs straight out of drama school but I think it's all about honing in your craft and and unfortunately like you know there are pros there are pros and cons to both and the networking of meeting different casting directors can be just as important as 
get in that kind of big game. But God, yeah, it was just, I also remember seeing that show when I was like 17 and just being like, I love Killer Queen. Like I love her. And then when I was auditioning for it, I never in, I never in a million years thought they, I was like Oscar and Mouchard meet clearly. Never in a million years thought that they would call me back for that. So when they did, I was just like, oh my God. Like, I just remember being so excited and so thrilled that I, I got to do it. But yeah, it was, um, it's also a big, like, le- a massive learning curve. It's an iconic role, really. Like, yeah, she's fierce. And those costumes, like, I just, I really wanted to keep the wig. I didn't get to keep anything of Killer Queens. I got to keep like, my little orange gaga dress and I got to keep some of my um, bohemian stuff. I think I got to keep my like little play suit, but I didn't get to keep anything Killer Queenie, which I was gutted about because it's just all too expensive and brilliant. <laughs> Were you a fan of Queen before the show? Yeah, my my family have like listened to that kind of music since since I was young. So I didn't know all of the tunes though, but I definitely knew like the most popular ones. So yeah, yeah, I was. Which was mad because in in our finals, so the I was talking to someone to someone about this the other day, but the final round of the audition, I remember the casting director saying to me, now don't panic. There's quite a lot of people in there. You know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed, but it's going to be fine. Most of them have seen what you've done before. It's more to just like checklist, just do your best, stay calm. And I walked in the room and everything really fell out of me because it was like, Brian May, Roger Taylor, Ben Elton, and another 16 people. I, don't know, I counted, actually, in my head afterwards. I think there was about 20 people on the panel. They went. The table went from one side of the room all the way to the other. I was like, I'm basically in front of a paying audience. Like, it was mad. It was crazy. You know, and, and, and Ben like, redirected it and stuff. I was like, I wish you'd told me. I think, I, I was like, I wish you'd like, really prepared me for it. But I don't think anything could have. He was just like, just stay calm. It's all going to be fine. And I remember being on the train home being like, I don't think I gave it my best. Because <laughs> it's just like, it's just really scary at the time. But yeah, so actually meeting them. Yeah. And I remember like my first week, Brian passed was walking down the spiral staircase as I was walking up and I remember just being like do I say hello do I not say hello what do I do oh my god because he's he's so iconic right so iconic and I was just like and as he was coming towards me I think you could see that I was sort of like slightly freezing up he's just a lovely fan he went hi Christina and I was like oh hi hi Brian you okay yeah yeah really good thanks yeah yeah oh yeah have a nice day yeah this is going well yeah thanks mate and I was just like he knew my name. <laughs> oh, I just remember ringing my mum straight afterwards and being like, "Oh my god!" Like he, he actually, he actually knew my name. Let alone didn't ignore me on the stairwell. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, "That's the whole building." I always think things filter from the top down, and I think their kindness was always the thing that kind of set that show up. And I think that's what makes it such a special show to be involved with. So yeah, and the days when they used to sometimes come on and play. So on anniversaries or like special occasions they used to come and do Bohemian Rhapsody so Roger would be on the drums at the back and Brian would come up with the guitar and on those days it was always on like a matinee day and they used to get us like Domino's pizza in between so we all used to go and have like a Domino's front of house it's just like such a lovely like the lovely extra touches that you don't you don't usually get you know so it was really really special and just a last one from me do you have any like really sort of funny memories that kind of stick out from that time in particular oh I do actually <laughs> it might kill me for saying this sorry Stu it was New Year's Day 
New Year's Day matinee. I also think that's really important because after New Year's Eve, you never know what to expect. And we were on the Gargar steps. And I don't know if you remember, but at the very beginning, the sort of Grecian towers kind of all like moved forward with all the Gargar kids and Gargar teachers on them. And uh, one of the cast, Stuart Rogers, was he was just in front of me. And then Emily Whitehead was just, just below. And I was one of the teachers. So I just had to kind of stand at the back and do my clap and, you know, the clap. The well-known choreography and they were doing like the radio gaga robotic stuff and he just slipped like I don't think he even said he was like he'd went out the night before and then I think he was like he'd been good I think and um he slipped and as the steps were moving he rolled down the gaga steps and obviously because they were moving if, if he'd have fallen in front of them they would have kind of I don't know what they would have done. They, it would have either been like a coin machine, you know, like when they kind of like <laughs> push him forward or, or, or it would have hurt him. So his instincts kick it, kicked in and he rolled down and then grabbed on his legs um, and just held onto her legs for dear life. But the brilliant thing about it is that she just kind of looked down and was like, what's going on? And she kind of kept his smile but completely carried on with the choreography with her, him like attached to her. Um, and then as soon as he kind of, the steps stopped, he kind of realised what had happened, turned around, got, ran back up the steps and kind of carried on with his, with his choreography. It's just that moment where you see everyone's shoulders. Well, everyone's stage right had definitely seen it anyway. <laughs> you could just see everyone's shoulders trying to still kind of, we sit alone, like, trying to, oh, we here? It's like just everyone just trying not to kind of laugh. So yeah, that was one of that's one of my favourite moments. I think it was absolutely brilliant, and it played out right in front of me. And I managed to keep the laughter like in my belly, so I managed to actually keep the top of me quite still. I was just like my belly was just going mental, and then I turned around and looked at David Rubin, who was in the show at the time, and he. I don't think he was even singing anymore. He just completely, he was like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> just completely lost it. That was, that was probably one of the funniest memories. I think we've got some quick fire questions to end. Ooh, no pressure. Um, <laughs> dream role. What's your dream role? Oh, a kind of meaty lead role in a, in a brand new musical. Dream theatre to work in. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, theatre I'll drool in. Night in or night out? Both. (laughs) Technically, isolation means you can have a night in and out at the same time. So I'm not. I'm not going to choose between that. I'm kind of both. (laughs) Dogs or cats? Dogs. I've got one here who's fast asleep right here. (laughs) Um, Who was your biggest inspiration growing up? Oh, so many different people. I don't really have like one kind of like idol idol. Um, but I can give you some examples. I always used to watch Michael Jackson's concerts. So I used to love that when I was a kid. Whitney, I used to love like that. I loved that, the whole power ballad era. Um, but then I also loved kind of like Spice Girls, that kind of growing up. And then when I finally discovered musical theatre, I never really grasped to people more to shows. But um, I think if I was to choose someone, like two people now who really inspire me would be like Emma Thompson, someone famous, and like uh, Jenna Russell. She's just... I've had the the joy of working with her and she is just, I think I, I also love it when I meet talented people who are also very kind and funny and honest and lovely. And I'm, because I, I don't really put people on pedestals. I think we're all human beings just doing a job. For me, I kind of idolise those people who, who can be humble and kind about it, you know, just as much as being talented. I kind of, I have a whole new level of respect for that. 
Um, yeah. Are there any musical theatre soundtracks you have on repeat? I don't massively listen to musical theatre anymore. <gasps> oh, God. Um, but I think when I was younger, um, Rent, uh, The Last Five Years, Songs for a New World. I rediscovered Elegies yesterday. I was like, oh, I used to love that. I used to love those songs. What else? Oh, the Wedding Singer, I used to love that. I kind of like fun, poppy things, really, mostly. West Side Story, love that. That's not fun and poppy, but love that. Sweeney Todd, love that. Oh, Lords. Yeah, Lords. Lords growing up. Um, do you have a favourite movie musical? Now, I used to, when I was younger, I used to struggle to sleep. And my mum discovered that if, I, if she put on a movie musical, I would watch it intently until the very end. And then if I started it, rewind, VCR, that's me. Rewind, <laughs> showing my age now. Rewind, start it again. And um, I used to then fall asleep because I knew what happened. So I had loads of those that I used to watch growing up. I used to love like Annie, Oliver, Cats. My favourite movie musical now though. Oh, what would that be? I don't know. I feel like I've gone blank. I might have to think on that one and let you know. <laughs> we watched Hamilton the other day on Disney Plus. I must say that was pretty, pretty good, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I'm excited for In the Heights to come out. I've got a funny yeah. feeling yeah. that my answer will change when that comes out anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> and one last one from me. Uh, the first show you want to see after lockdown. It's quite a hard one, really. I don't want to get my hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> I just think anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah, anything. I'll be so relieved once, you know, once something has... Because I'm also, I, I will watch anything. Like, the course of lockdown, I very much listen to my body and I'm like, right, what do I fancy? Um, so I don't really have, like, my favourites of anything. And I can watch a piece of work and go, oh, I really love that. Or I can watch a piece of it and go, I don't really like that. But I don't really know if, if it's what I definitely want before I watch it. Does that make sense? I watched um, Lungs at the Ovic. That was brilliant. I watched, like, Small Islands, The National. I, I've watched like I said Hamilton I've watched so many different things so I think I just want to see my friends on stage again like I just want to go and be able to support my friends on stage it doesn't matter what it is I don't even care if it's not very good I just want to <laughs> go and watch something and and be able to clap and scream and or you know and and celebrate what we do so I don't think it matters what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah um we're gonna start like we're going to yeah. create a playlist of some of our favourite musical songs and we want each person we interview to add a song to the playlist. Okay. So what song do you want to add? Oh, this is an easy one. When You're Home, In the Heights, I'll say it. Okay. I'm going to write that down so I don't forget. One of my it's so great. Such a tune. Also, we need to add ours for this week. Oh. So, Alice, what are you going for? Oh, you put me on the spot. I'm having to um, go for my playlist so I can remember what it's called. Let me look I'm just my... getting ahead of the work. <laughs> get out stay out from nine to five yes that's my yes. song good shout <laughs> emily i'm just checking my phone <laughs> bethany can you go really quick uh, um mine's gonna be blood brothers tell me it's not oh, oh yeah. emily have we met before no no i don't yeah. think so. your face is really familiar Sorry, there you go. <laughs> are you stalking me? Are you, are you <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Emily, what are you going for? Um, better Than Before from Next to Normal. Yes. 
course you are. Of course you are. And <laughs> I'm going for six livid. I'm going for as long as you're there, which is from Before After, which is just an album with Caroline Sheen and Hadley Fraser. And it is Ooh. gorgeous. I haven't heard of that. I need to need to give it a listen. Caroline Sheen's a Welsh as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. And look after yourselves. And you. You too. Take care. Thank See you soon. Hopefully Bye. meet you in Bye. real life at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.